For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The following podcast is a production of the Factual Data Creations Facility. Welcome back to the OFNT Podcast, episode 160, which I'm calling Easter and other things. Before I get started, I just want to let you know I modified the title of this podcast from O period F period N period T period to just OFNT. Let me know if this small change creates any difficulties for you in getting this podcast downloaded. You can reach me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com. And if you celebrate it, happy Easter. Now on with the show. Tech news. Google, the capital G of parent company Alphabet. Hey, see what I did there? <laughs> yep, I'll be here all episode, folks. Has followed arch rival and mortal enemy Microsoft in adding the company's artificial intelligent bot named Bard to its dominating search engine. Compared to Microsoft's chat GPT, Google's Bard has been described in the tech press as not being ready for prime time. In fact, a few members of the tech press have referred to Google Bard as Google Barf. Ouch! All this old fart knows is that there's a mad rush to put artificial intelligence into everything, and this is bound to create many mistakes. Also realize that this stuff costs money, and plenty of it. Heck, this rush towards stuffing artificial intelligence into everything might just bankrupt some of these companies. As far as AI in general... You know, it's only as good as the people who code it and what restrictions, and read that as bias, is programmed into it. But then again, what do I know? Continuing with Google and its Bard AI chatbot, an article from Fortune.com claims the AI bot misinforms users 8 out of 10 times without disclaimers and often conveys harmful narratives whatever, and whoever defines what those are, when prompted. Those heady allegations are from a foreign government and news media funded, and I use the term lightly, research group, Center for Countering Digital Hate. Now hold on a second. I think I've heard of this supposedly non-profit group before. Now wasn't this the same outfit that, though funded and based in a country outside of the United States, Flag just about all of the right-leaning news media outlets in this country for hate speech and teamed up with a foreign-born employee of an overseas bureau of a major U.S. news network that resulted in Google taking away the targeted entity's ability to earn advertising revenue. I think my recollection on this is correct. While Google originally complied with the request, the whole thing fell apart when the foreign female news worker 
who made the original complaint on behalf of the U.S.-based news network and the Center for Countering Digital Hate, just couldn't control herself. She just had to detail and post her triumph on social media. As you can imagine, this caught the attention of U.S. media of all political persuasions. A foreign government-funded organization teaming up with a foreign-born and based employee of a U.S. network, causing the demonetizing of several U.S.-based news organizations, will tend to draw attention, I think. Well, it appears to be payback time for Google from the foreign-based Center for Countering Digital Hate, teaming up this time with U.S.-based organization NewsGuard, which for some reason is funded by the Department of Defense for this particular hit piece on Google and the company's barred chatbot. I'm sure after the debacle of the foreign-born and based employee of a U.S. network attempt at censoring U.S. media blew up in his face, the U.S. media outlets wanted no part of the Center for Countering Digital Hate going forward, forcing this odious organization to team up with a fellow odious organization, in this case, NewsGuard, which recently has been going after conservative-leaning podcasts, no matter what the size, by contacting their advertisers with the goal of demonetizing the show. The Fortune.com article I'm referencing here accuses Google and its barred chatbot of using the same news outlets targeted during the original event I just described as source material for the bot's answers, again accusing those news organizations of hate speech, etc., etc., you know the drill. To its credit, Google appears to be just brushing off these accusations, stating that Bard has safety guardrails installed and denies the allegations from these government-funded nonprofits. What well, my takeaways from this article are, the governments around the globe should be more careful of who and what they fund. Multinational ideological nonprofits apparently will team up to achieve their goals of censorship. So listeners, readers, and consumers of news... Take my advice and beware. And here I thought I was the only one. No. According to the DailyMail.com, the Apple iOS weather app, which absorbed most of the features of the beloved but now discontinued Dark Sky app, has been crashing a lot lately. In fact, at the time that this article was written, which was Thursday of this past week, the app had been down for the second time within 48 hours. I've been noticing that the widget for Apple Weather that resides on my iPhone's home screen has been blank often over the past couple of months. Now, I had chalked this up to the widget being the cause here, but I guess I was wrong. What? Yep, that happens now and again. <clears throat> While the Apple Weather app did get most of the features of the defunct Dark Sky app, the two I found most useful, the ability to provide hyper-local weather forecasts and the fun weather Time Machine, which enabled you to see the weather on any day of location in the past, failed to make the migration. Overall, the Apple Weather app is worth the price, which is free, but I miss the old Dark Sky app along with its user interface. Did I mention that I purchased Dark Sky from the Apple App Store for around five bucks back when that amount was kind of worth something? Wouldn't it be nice if Apple bundled all the features of Dark Sky into an Apple Weather Plus app? and either charge for it separately or rolled it into one of their Apple One bundle tiers. Or how about both? Are you listening, oh great fruit company? No. <laughs> the 
Internal Revenue Service Authorized Tax Preparation Software Service, eFile.com, recently suffered a, wait for it, JavaScript malware attack. Just in time for tax season. This reported by DigitalTrends.com. Hold on a second. What year is this? JavaScript? Well, it must be 1993, right? No. What? It's in fact 2023? Are you sure? Huh. I would have thought that most software to include web pages would have been rewritten in a more modern and maybe more secure programming language, especially in cases where sensitive data would be involved. No, dear, that's wrong. Well, I stand corrected. I find the worst thing about this hack is that it started around mid-March using an IP from Tokyo, hosted by Alibaba, so fingers point to China. And that eFile itself hadn't addressed the hack until researchers pointed it out to eFile.com. And that was around the 1st of April. Supposedly, the issue has been resolved, whatever that means. The extent or impact of the attack remains unknown or at least unannounced. If you head over to the eFile.com webpage, there's no mention of the hack. As I've said many times in the past, if there are no consequences for lack of security and loss of customer data, this type of thing will continue to happen. Well, I wouldn't use eFile.com for filing my taxes, nor should anyone at this point, in my opinion. I guess you can file this story under, uh-oh. An article from CNBC.com, which points to a survey conducted by the firm Piper Sandler, finds that the vaunted virtual reality technology just hasn't caught on with U.S. teens. The survey revealed that while 29% of teens polled owned a VR device, only 4% claimed to use it daily. Only 7% planned to buy a VR headset in the future, while 52% said they were uninterested in VR tech. Will the upcoming Apple VR headset change these results? Who at that time of their life wants to be tethered to a piece of hardware which mandates you stay in one place, hooked to either a computer and or a battery pack? Heck, old, retired me doesn't want that technology either, and I hardly go any place at all. Prediction, Apple's virtual reality goggles will be the company's first flop since the original HomePods. What do you think? Tech I'm using. I've signed up to be a beta tester for the upcoming Twitter competitor, Blue Sky, which of course is the baby of original Twitter inventor and CEO, Jack Dorsey. The difference between Blue Sky and Twitter is that Blue Sky has taken up the federated method of distribution, meaning that instead of one central server hosting the platform, multiple servers in multiple locations will share the hosting service. The social media platform Mastodon uses this method, calling each server an instance. I'm not sure if Blue Sky will follow this terminology, though. If Blue Sky can capture and, more importantly, keep the original feel of Twitter before the ascendancy of the blue-checked marked elites, then I'll be all in. I'll let you know when and if I'm accepted for the beta and how my experience with this new platform goes. I've been switching off between my Intel chip-based MacBooks Pro and Air for general computing. I must say I prefer the feel of the Air for typing, but I find myself missing the Pro's LED toolbar. You know, the 
feature that so-called pro users seemingly hated. I find the toolbar very convenient for word processing. Sure, I can get used to not having it, but still, it's too bad Apple seems to have abandoned this feature. Well, there's no new tech inbound for the old fart household in the near future. Though Father's Day is coming up, I don't expect any new goodies for that created holiday. I don't expect anything new until the fall, when I'll be upgrading my iPhone and hopefully getting my new desktop set up, which will most likely be a Mac Mini. I might even get a new MacBook Air, who knows? Until then, this section will probably be sort of quiet. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's all quiet on the entertainment front, as predicted. Just the usual failure of new comic book source movies, along with reimagined Disney classics. I hope eventually Hollywood starts putting out movies that will again have mass appeal, not just targeting a specific niche audience, which they seem to be fixated on presently. Ah, one could hope anyway. Unfortunately, at this point, I have my doubts we'll ever get back to that winning formula. One new release that's not failing, in fact, it's on its way to breaking some box office records, is the Super Mario Brothers movie, and this after the movie was slammed by the so-called professional critics. The animated movie, of course, is based on the Nintendo video game of the same name and seems to have struck a chord with old and young moviegoers alike. Do you see what can happen if you produce a movie with a good entertaining story, no social commentary, or a lesson imparted to the audience? The Super Mario Brothers movie doesn't appeal to me, but then again, it wasn't aimed at my old demographic. My age group didn't grow up with video games, though they did touch our teenage years. Look to Universal Pictures, who produced this movie, and other studios like Sony Pictures, for example, to take advantage of producing successful movies such as this, while their competitors seem stuck cranking out woke virtue signaling movies and scratch their heads when their movies fail to meet expectations. As far as what I'm watching, I watch the following television series. The Company You Keep, Rabbit Hole, and Spy Amongst Friends. Hopefully these will get me through the slow time of new seasons of television shows. So far, there doesn't seem to be any theatrical movie releases that I really would be interested in. Maybe I could find some hidden gems on the streaming services I subscribe to, or perhaps something I'd be interested in watching will become available for rent. I feel like it will be a long summer, entertainment-wise at least. Podcasting News The Podcast Academy has seated a new board recently, so I guess we'll see if the organization does anything else for podcasting besides handing out awards. Speaking of awards, the Parapod Festival was held last week and gave out its awards for various categories. Well, I zeroed in on the horror category and sampled the winner and the two runner-ups. Well, I was expecting something akin to the No Sleep podcast, but alas, that's not what I found. 
Now, I'm not going to criticize or start a podcast or, which seems to be the thing to do these days, but I will say the winner of the Best Ghost Podcast and Podcast of the Year had nothing to do with ghosts, though it was in the podcast title, at least with the episodes I listened to anyway. Basically, the two hosts take turns reading from a Wikipedia page about some infamous crime, interrupted by mindless babble about things you probably wouldn't or couldn't be bothered to care about. Hey, wait a minute. Minus the Wikipedia reading. That kind of sums up my show, doesn't it? (laughs) Anyway, its competitors for the awards, while actually attempting to include ghosts in their respective shows, use the same formula. That is, have two hosts reading from a Wikipedia page with periods of meaningless, to the audience anyway, banter. I knew these types of shows existed, but didn't know they were winning awards. And here I am researching and writing scripts when I could have just read from a webpage. I guess like the Podcast Academy's Ambie Awards, you have to pay to get your show nominated for the Parapod Awards, which I guess explains a lot. If you want to sample the shows I just commented on, and to see what I mean, head over to www.parapodfestival.com and look under the Best Ghost Podcast and Podcast of the Year categories. Now I've warned you about what to expect, so don't blame me for wasting your time. Yes, it's story time again. I'm calling this story, kind of, kind of story, Easter Recollections. So sit back and try and enjoy. The following isn't really what I would call a story. It's more of a recollection of past Easter Sundays I experienced, mostly during my youth. I grew up in the Bronx, New York, and attended the Immaculate Conception Catholic grade school. So you know that Easter was a big deal for everyone involved with the school and corresponding church. Leading up to Easter Sunday, there were classroom plays and even more religious readings than usual. Back then, the school didn't promote the Easter bunny or Easter egg hunts. That was left up to the parents. My parents didn't really celebrate Easter much until my sister was born. After she came along, we would wake up to an Easter basket filled with candy and small presents. I recall getting a hand puppet of a skunk on Easter, which was my favorite item ever given to me by the Easter Bunny. Though by the time my parents decided to start this tradition, I was already of the age of non-belief. The whole Easter Bunny act wasn't aimed at me anyway. I was just an afterthought. What Easter was really about for the adults was to get dressed up and show off to your fellow parishioners and, of course, stuff that donation envelope enough to make the top 10 of the weekly donation list dutifully published and distributed by church authorities. At the beginning of each year, each family was issued a box of numbered donation envelopes, which were tied to the family. Just in case you wanted to be sure the church authorities knew who and what you were given, there was a space on the envelope for writing your name, address, and amount of money given for that cycle. I recall my father using the Easter occasion to treat himself to a new suit, usually from Barney's in Manhattan, which was an upscale store at the time. My mother would treat herself and my sister to a new dress with matching bonnet, pocketbook, and shoes. 
For me, I was made to meet my grandmother in Manhattan, whereupon she would take me to Alexander's, which was the equivalent of today's Walmart, for a cheap suit. You know, I wasn't kidding when I said I was sort of an afterthought to my parents. When the big day finally arrived, the family would spend the early morning getting dressed and, when complete, join the parade to the church with stuffed donation envelopes in hand. After Mass, my mother would usually make the family a pancake breakfast, which was a treat and only done on special occasions. Well, anyway, whenever she could, because she usually worked most holidays, earning triple time. After breakfast, my father would start celebrating the occasion by consuming copious amounts of scotch whiskey while I went out to hang with my neighborhood friends, many of whom were of the Jewish faith and couldn't care less about Easter. Now, as you can probably surmise, I wasn't fond of Easter or much of the Catholic high holidays, except Christmas. I mean, who doesn't like Christmas? While raising my own children, I didn't push them towards any particular religion, leaving that decision up to them when they were old enough. Was it the right thing to do? Well, I don't know. As this episode winds down... I'd like to take this time to wish you a happy Easter, if you celebrate it, that is. If you don't celebrate it, have a great day anyway. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. You know, I really would. Remember... Don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. The Easter Bunny has come and gone, so get off my lawn. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.